So thank you all for being here this morning. I know we were snowed out last week, um, so it feels extra good to gather here together again today um, and join together as a community. I was scheduled to preach last week, and it worked out that I just got to be bumped ahead, so I'm sorry, but you still have to deal with hearing from me today. Um, We are in a series talking about our five ministry insights, and I believe that they're... Yes, perfect. Um, Pastor Mike has been spending time talking about each of these um, areas of our ministry, each of these things that we hold true into this community. And I will be speaking about this yellow slash orange box um, called Open Spirituality, which says we are open to the wisdom and spirituality outside of the Lutheran Church. So I'll be speaking more about that in just a few minutes, but for now we will have our Kyrie. Our story this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give, that I will, give will, bring, will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say... The place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city, She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to to him. You can have a seat. First, I would just like to say thank you for standing for 30 verses of scripture. That is a feat 
um, unto itself. And second of all, I'm going to try and use a stand and hold my microphone, and maybe everyone should say a silent prayer that there's not a giant interruption of static noise this morning. I'll try my hardest. So this morning we could go to the next slide. Um, As I was saying before, we've been in this series talking about our five ministry insights, the five things um, that we hold to be true in this place. And I want to speak this morning about open spirituality. Um, We hold true that we are open to wisdom outside of the Lutheran church. And I was thinking about this quite a bit this week, um, and last week, as you can imagine, Um, and thinking about the different parts of my life that I have found spirituality in things that are outside of the Lutheran church. And the first thing that actually popped in my head because I've been doing it daily is yoga. Um, Yoga is an Eastern spiritual practice. It's um, many things, and as a white female, I'm not prepared to give you the entire history. Um, But I know for sure that in practicing yoga every day, in stretching my body, in clearing my mind, in taking deep breaths, and in moving, I have found a new spiritual health, it seems. It has nothing to do with the tradition that I grew up in, and it doesn't have to do much with Lutheranism. But for some reason, when I'm able to shut my brain off, when I'm able to not think about the to-do list for the day, when I'm able to take deep breaths and stretch and move and be in awe of the weird shapes that bodies can make, I find myself making room for God in my life, for making silence in which God can speak and thinking about the ways that God continues to call me on ventures in this life. Yoga is not a practice that I learned growing up in Sunday school or on Wednesday nights or in confirmation, but it is something that has allowed me to grow in my spirituality. And so I was thinking about that practice that I do and the wisdom it has given me and the ways that some weeks, like some days it just doesn't work and the to-do list is there and I can't get rid of it. But yet, yoga has been something that has helped my life immensely. And then I was thinking about uh, my time in Jerusalem. I told a story um, a couple weeks, months ago, um, about being in the home of a man named Majdi. He lives in Bethlehem. And I was invited to go to a dinner there when I um, was spending time in Palestine. And we went there for an amazing dinner that um, was filled with rice and cauliflower and chicken and amazing spices. And we were greeted by Majdi and his wife, and we looked over, and there was a wall that had holes in it. And we were all very curious what it was, and it turned out that they were bullet holes from, um, from some nationalists that were shooting randomly into houses one evening. And Maji said he thanks God every day that they were not home, that they were not in that living room, and that his family survived. And he also thanks God that he has the means to save up money to replaster the wall to rid himself of those memories. Maji is a devout Muslim man. He, um, he grew up in the Islamic faith. He lives in Palestine. He worships um, at a mosque. He practices Islam. And he has been someone that has taught me what faith truly is. What faith and hope and love are when you are, in the, when you are living in a home that has been randomly shot upon and are giving thanks for God for keeping yourself safe. For keeping yourself safe. 
that's an incredible testament to who God is in this life and in this space. And I learned it from someone completely outside of even the Christian tradition, let alone Lutheran. And it also made me think of his brother who met us in Jerusalem, who, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Jerusalem tends to get pretty hot. It's a warm area. We were there in the summer. It was like upper 90 degrees. And we were in this small shop that Maji's brother owned, and he, was try- and he had stickers from all of these different colleges on them, including like St. Olaf in Northfield which is very strange to be in a foreign country and seeing, like, Aramaic and Arabic writing everywhere, and then St. Olaf. But it was an incredible touch of home. I also got to see um, a Tom and Jerry cartoon in, like, with subtitles in Arabic. Very entertaining. If you can ever find it, do it. Um, But we were in this small shop, and in 90-degree weather, uh, he came forward with steaming cups of tea with mint in it, and they were plastic, and they were burning our hands. All of us were standing there in this incredible heat with incredibly hot tea in our hands, and I remember thinking how I so badly wanted to set the cup down and not drink it and how hot I was, and then I thought about the incredible amount of hospitality that is, that in this crowded shop, this man who, again, is Muslim, showed us what hospitality is, showed us a loving gesture of here, you must be thirsty from your journey, you must need a little caffeine, which we all did, and this was his specialty, this hot tea. So we all drank it, and actually felt kind of colder after we drank it, so it ended up working out. But the story I think that most exemplifies this idea of open spirituality, open spirituality to me is that of my family. Um, we can go to the next slide. So this is um, my family. It's from a couple years ago, so there's a couple people missing. Um, The little girl who's being held in blue on the right side, um, she's now three years old. We just celebrated her birthday yesterday, and she has a little brother who's not pictured. Um, And there's a couple in-laws that are missing in there as well, but it's the most recent family picture I could find. So lesson learned, we need to take more family pictures. But it's my... um, In the middle are my parents, and then we have my brother Ryan is in yellow. My brother Ross is the tallest one in the family, which he's, like, Ryan is the oldest brother, and the fact that his little brother is taller than him has always been a point of contention. I don't know if this is a brotherly thing, but it's been rough. Um, And then my nephews and my niece. And as I was thinking about open spirituality, I thought of them because I think every single person in that photo has a different understanding of who God is and has taught me something through that. Um, To share a family secret that's not at all a secret, uh, my mom, in the blue tank top, is Lutheran. She grew up Lutheran since she was little. Um, She was born into it, as, you know, Lutherans tend to be. She was baptized in the same font as her father and my grandfather. She grew up um, running around the halls of Lutheran churches. um, when I was about six months old, she was asked to be the uh, administrator at our home church, and she led our youth group for many years. Like, she's like Lutheran, capital L. Um, she can recite just about any creed you ask of her. Um, and so I grew up with this incredibly strong in the Lutheran faith mom who knew the liturgy backwards and forwards, who knew the tradition. And it was um, a wonderful way to grow up. Now, my father, on the other hand, in the black t-shirt, 
He's Catholic, you guys. I know. There's a, there's a story. So my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, kept like a journal kind of a thing. And we found it um, right as she was in the process of dying. And so she, we kind of g- gathered all these things together. And there was one entry who, and my very sweet grandmother wrote, I don't understand what is happening. All of my nice Norwegian Lutheran girls are marrying Czech Catholic boys. Um, she just did not understand how that could be happening, and she grew to love all of her sons-in-law. Um, she had uh, seven daughters that all married Czech Catholic boys. Um, yeah, so <laughs> she definitely um, grew to love all of, all of them very dearly. But my dad grew up much like my mom, but in the Catholic Church. He was baptized in the same church of his father. He grew up running around the um, the sanctuary and probably being yelled at at for it. Um, He grew up in Sunday school. He did confirmation. He did first communion. He he's a hundred percent a very strong Catholic man. And so, growing up, every single Sunday morning, we got to kind of pick whether we wanted to go to the Lutheran church or the Catholic church. That was how I grew up. I knew nothing different. And so there were times when we wanted to go to the Lutheran church because it was a little more casual and there were more kids my age, and that's where we wanted to go. But there were mornings when I craved that tradition of the Catholic church, of being surrounded by so many great witnesses of a faith that has been around for so long. And I loved growing up this way because I got to learn so much about faith, about God, and about spirituality. I loved growing up and learning both sides of things. Um, I remember being in a, in a like Sunday school class at the Lutheran side of things, and um, they asked how many sacraments there were. This is a very inside church joke, so if you don't get it, no worries. But they asked about how many sacraments there were, and I was like, there's seven, because there's seven in the Catholic church. There's only two in the Lutheran church. So I'm sitting here in my Lutheran Sunday school trying to convince a bunch of Lutherans that there are seven sacraments. Um, It was an interesting way to grow up because I got to learn so much and understand so much from different diverse backgrounds. Um, And it helped me really refine who I thought God was and is. There are things that I love from the Lutheran tradition. I love the talk of grace and what it is. I love um, the liturgy. I love the hymns. I love that cozy feeling of being in church. I love so many things about the Lutheran tradition. And I love so many things about the Catholic tradition, about the way that um, they hold their traditions really tightly, about the way that they um, celebrate these big milestones, about the fact that they bring holiness and scripture to milestones like marriage and being, um, and even confession of sins and all of those things. There are elements of both that I have that I have loved for my entire life. And then it doesn't stop there because um, when my oldest brother Ryan married my uh, sister-in-law Rachel, Rachel is um, Wisconsin Synod Lutheran. I know there are rumblings. I get it. Um, and so that was slightly different for my family, especially when I announced that I'm going to seminary, um, and Wisconsin Synod doesn't have female clergy, um, but I have seen the way that in the Wisconsin Synod, there's good people, you guys. They're wonderful. 
I love Rachel very deeply, and I have learned that she, um, she and her family have been nothing but supportive of me being in the clergy. They, um, I was a little worried to tell them my plans, and they find it to be the most beautiful thing um, to have a female clergy. And so there's things, there's traditions in there, there's hymns, there's lessons to be learned from those consonants. And then my brother Ross married Kina, who's on the far right holding my niece, um, and Kina goes to like a non-denominational church. Um, and I attended there with, um, with my family when Kyrie was baptized or actually dedicated because they do adult baptism. And we are sitting there. I was sitting next to my mom, again, very Lutheran, loves, loves the liturgy, all about it. And then my dad is on the other side, Catholic, even more about the liturgy and tradition. And we're sitting there in a school gymnasium, and there's like a stage, and there, I'm not kidding you, there was a fog machine, and there was like a band, and at one point there were like light, a light show happening, which is a little different than you might expect at a Lutheran or a Catholic church. Um, and my, I just remember sitting next to my parents, they were like, in a very Minnesotan way, they're like, this is different. <laughs> this is nice. Um... And it was very interesting to be a part of that and be a part of something that's so different from my own tradition, yet still Christian, um, and hearing the pastor speak and, and uh, hearing about the ways that they interpret Scripture. And some of, the, some of the ways where I can't exactly remember the sermon. I'm sorry. I know I should. Um, but the pastor, I remember being actually very inspired by and very um, moved by what he was saying and, and inspired to follow more of my calling in this life. And, um, oh, I forgot to mention, too, at um, my nephew Teddy's baptism in the Wisconsin Synod side of things, the sermon that day was talking about how um, homosexuality is the worst sin known to mankind. And I remember holding this baby, this, my um, godson, Teddy, and just whispering in his ear, that's not true. The whole time, I was not going to let Teddy have that known on his baptism day. So there's things that I have found beautiful in all these traditions, in um, the freeness and the wonder and the um, intensity of being at a non-denominational, evangelical, free, something, light laser show church. Um, I have loved the traditions and the understandings um, in the Catholic and in the Lutheran Church. I have loved um, how that has been in the even Wisconsin Synod and Missouri Synod as well. And I have loved the things that even Eastern practices like yoga and traditions outside of myself like Islam have taught me about faith and hope and love and who God is. Because I think that's how we learn best is when we learn from different perspectives other than our own. When we get to talk to people outside of who exactly agree with us perfectly, when we get to talk to people who are different than us, who show us a new way of seeing things. Which, makes, which brings me to um, the scripture today. You can take my family down. They don't need to be up there that long. Um, scripture today that you had to stand for, thank you again, um, is the story that's often called the woman at the well. Now, a couple things about the story that I think are important. So Jesus comes to um, a Samaritan city, and again, it says in our scripture, but just to reiterate, Jesus is Jewish, and this woman is a Samaritan. And 
Jews and Samaritans do not get along. The story of the Good Samaritan that you may know is so um, controversial because Samaritans are like the worst people. And so Jesus comes um, to this Samaritan city and he comes to a Samaritan woman. And quick note too, it is noon. Now I don't know about you, but when I think about being in the heat of noon, I don't think that's the time I want to go and draw water and put it into giant basins and carry it back. I don't think that's the time that I would spend, spend my time um, in the heat getting water. In fact, in the um, tradition, most women would, spend, would go early in the morning when it's not um, so hot out, when it's light, and then they have water for the whole day. This woman had to go at noon, which may tell you how she's feeling about herself and how her community feels about her. She's avoided the crowd of other women to come to the well at noon. But since she is there, she gets to have this encounter with Jesus. Again, a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman, two people that should not be talking to each other. In fact, the disciples, um, when they come back at the end, are very confused as to why they're talking to each other. And yet, it is this Samaritan woman who seems to understand Jesus a little bit better than even his disciples do sometimes. In fact, in the previous chapter um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus, who should by all means know exactly who Jesus is and understand who the Scripture is and understand what is happening, and instead he just has continuous questions and doesn't understand the metaphor. But this woman wants the living water that Jesus is giving. She sees him as a prophet, and she understands and asks him questions. She understands about the different rules that they have about worshiping, and then when Jesus says that soon they will not worship on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but everywhere, for God is spirit. And then one of my favorite parts is that she, um, she has this interaction with Jesus, this incredible moment, and then she goes to her community and asks, could this be the Messiah? Because here's the deal about open spirituality. There are many wonderful things that we can learn outside of our own tradition. We can learn more and broaden our ideas of what faith and hope and love are, even in um, cultures and in situations where those words aren't used. We can learn more about who God is from people that don't understand or don't use that language and say the word God. But every tradition also has its problems, and every tradition also has its bad theology, and every tradition has also hurt people immensely. And so I think it's very important for us to come to a community, to gather together, and to discern together if this is something that is helpful or harmful. If this thing that we are understanding as God truly is God, or is something we want God to be. And so in this exploration of open spirituality, of stepping outside of the Lutheran faith to see what others might teach us, not denying who we are, not taking away from the Lutheran tradition because it's beautiful, but seeing what else we can explore, who else God is, what else we can understand, is incredibly important. And it makes me think about the different things that Gloria Day has done that has shown this aspect of open spirituality. I think about the contemplative practices that Julie Stevens does, where people who are outside of the Lutheran tradition, who don't even come to church very much, are able to connect with their spirituality 
are able to understand who God is and what love is by being with her and by taking some time to be silent and to meditate. I think about um, what Pastor Charles had been um, researching very or a lot and then what Pastor Dave did when he was on his sabbatical in exploring the Celtic spirituality and talking about how much that has influenced their theology and their understanding of God and how much it pervades this area, this community as well. And I think just about the way that we talk about love and grace and hope and peace and those things that are not kept just to Christianity, but we hope for all of creation, that all may feel love and hope and peace and, and have a moment of grace where they know that they are loved even with the worst things that they have done. And so I encourage you to be open to what is around you, to who is around you, to go out and explore this world and gather perspectives other than your own to see what you can learn about who God is. Maybe it's a practice like yoga or time spent in meditation. Maybe it's in speaking with those family members that have different backgrounds than you or go to different churches than you. Maybe it's sitting down with someone from a different religion or political view or race or gender or sexual orientation or any of those things that seem to divide us and see what their perspective is and how God has been in their life. Because it's through that that we can understand a better picture of who God is. We each may have a piece of the puzzle that will never be finished because we can never fully understand who God is. But the more that we communicate with each other, the more that we discern together, the more that we put those puzzle pieces together, the more we understand who God is in our lives. So may we go out, may we seek understanding and do so with love and with grace. Will you please pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this morning, for this time to gather together in this community to celebrate all that we are, to be Lutherans together, to be people together, to know who you are and to understand better how you are working in our lives. We ask that you inspire us to listen to other perspectives in our lives, to learn more about who you are from people who may be different than us, to continue to learn and grow in our faith and spirituality and to hold us close this day and always.